Well, good morning, everyone. We are glad that you are with us today, whether you are joining us through our YouTube page or you're joining us on our on our Facebook page. We we just thank you for being with us today. Uh, today, we we do want to say thank you once again, as Brother Don has already mentioned. I want to say thank you to those of you who showed up on Sunday evening. Oh, how the Lord blessed. We had a wonderful service. But not only that, as hot as it was all day Sunday, around 7 o'clock, we could sense a breeze. And it seemed like an overcast. The temperature just seemed to fall of several degrees. And we, we just thank God for his presence in that event that we had. Calling Fairmont to prayer. And we pray that that was not the only event that we will have calling Fairmont to pray. Uh, we do want to come together as a body of believers. No matter what our race. No matter what our backgrounds but as, as believers in Jesus Christ, we want to come together and we want the world to see. We want all of Fairmont and the communities to see that churches can work together. And we pray that you'll want to be part of that in the future. Well, today, as we continue in the book of Acts, we want to look there in chapter 4. And we want to continue from last week in verses 23 through verse 31. As we look in these passages, we want to just focus our minds on the first response to persecution. The first response to persecution. This relates to the church. This is the church's first case of persecution. And we want to see how the church responds. I believe that, that once we understand how God wants us to respond to persecution, then when it ever comes our way, we will be able to respond in a manner that would be glorifying to God and magnifying to his son. Well, when, as you're turning in your Bibles to chapter 4, Verses 23 through 31, and we're thinking for a few moments on the first response to persecution. I, I just want to share this quote in his book, Reversed Thunder, author Eugene Peterson. He says, while conflicts raged between good and evil, prayers went up from devout bands of the first century Christians all over the Roman Empire. Massive engines of persecution and scorn were ranged against them. They had neither weapon nor votes. They had little money and no prestige. But they did have prayer. And that prayer helped to shape the course of history. And today as we look in our, in this passage, we we want to see just how the early church responded to this first bout with persecution. The Bible tells us in chapter 4 verses 23 through 31. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voices to God and with one accord and said, Lord... You are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. 
And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. To do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. This is God's holy word. Pray with us, would you? God, as we come today, we, we give you glory and honor for being God and beside you there is no other. For knowing, God, that you sit on your throne and you have all power and all sovereignty. Knowing in this time that we're living, God, why things may be uncertain to us. God, nothing's catching you by surprise. And you are assured of all that's taking place and all that will take place. God, help us to trust you and trust your plan. For your plan will come to fruition. Now, God, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds as we look to your word. We pray, God, that you would speak through us, that you would hide us behind the cross. And whatever is said and done brings glory to you and it magnifies your son. And God, if there's one listening that doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, we pray that today they would call out to you, that they would boldly cry out, what must I do to be saved? And God, we'll give you praise. We'll give you glory and honor for we know that you're faithful and just to forgive those who call upon the name of the Lord, to forgive their sins, to cleanse them from all unrighteousness. And to save their soul. God we thank you. We love you. We praise you this day. In Jesus name. Amen. Now when we think of persecution. We, we know that persecution for our faith. It really makes us uncomfortable. Not only are we uncomfortable. But for those of us who are passionate. About what we believe. Being persecuted for it will frustrate us and cause us to get angry. However, it would also be good for us to remember Jesus' words in John 15 and 20, where he said, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep your word. Here, Jesus is reminding us that, that we shouldn't think of it being no great thing for they persecuted him. And if they persecuted him, if we stand with him and we speak for him, then we will be persecuted also. Christ suffered persecution. The early church suffered persecution. And believers today, we shall 
suffer persecution. It's inevitable. We can't get away from this. The persecution we face today will take on many forms. Forms such as abuse and anger, slander and, and gossip, mockery, cursing, isolation, and even violence. It may take the play, it may take place on our jobs, in our churches, it may take place in our homes, throughout our community, or even in the schools that we or our children attend. While we would love to know that while here on earth, we would never have to worry over being persecuted. While we would love for everyone to accept us and, and never oppose us. This is just not a reality in this world. As a matter of fact, if life was such, most of us would never grow in our faith. But we would all remain immature. We would all remain carnal Christians. But instead, these trials that we face here on earth are not to discourage us. They're not to defeat us. But these trials are here to mold us, they're to shape us, they're to grow us into a, a more mature and a more intimate relationship with the Lord. First Peter, he shares with us that the genuineness of our faith is proven through trials of this life. It's when our faith is proven to be genuine that we're able to reach others for the gospel. Now keep in mind, we are not the world. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Therefore, we can't respond as the world would respond to persecution. For if we respond as the world would respond, then we would display that we're no different than the world. And with such an indication of this, it would share that our faith isn't genuine. So to have a genuine faith and to respond the way that God would have us to respond to persecution. We have to ask the question, how? How did the early church in its infancy respond to the persecution faced by the apostles Peter and John? Well, this passage helps us to see just that. And the first thing that we notice is that the church came together on one accord. Here, Peter and John has been persecuted for teaching and preaching Jesus. And when they come back to announce this to their, their companions, they find they, they come together on one accord. They didn't separate. They didn't divide. But they came together. As soon as John and Peter, they were released by these Jewish religious leaders, they went and they found the church. They didn't go find a building. No, instead they went to find their companions in Christ. It's highly likely that Peter and John, when they found these men, when they found these believers, they found them praying on their behalf. Peter and John shared their experience with the others as, as well as the demands for them not to no longer speak in Jesus' name. You know, but what's interesting is that Peter and John's report 
there was no sign of them being depressed. There was no sign of them being discouraged. We see that here they've been, they've been locked up and they've been tried and they've been found that, that what they were doing and what they'd done was a great thing. There was a miracle that had took place and it could not be denied. But here they are on trial for using Jesus' name, for speaking, for preaching the truth of Jesus Christ. In other words, they declared the gospel of our Lord and Savior and they were put on trial for it and they were demanded to not speak in his name again. But they, when they went to tell this to the others, they were not discouraged. They were not let down. They were not weeping and crying. They were not saying, woe is me, what am I going to do? No, we don't find that with these men. Luke, as Luke records, we don't even hear that at any time Peter and John was afraid it says saying that they need to be silent. We don't find that in Luke's writings. Also, there's no report of them being filled with pride either. We don't find that they responded by saying, listen, look at us and look what God did through us. Yes, we were arrested and now we're set free. We preached the gospel and 5,000 men came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. No, we don't find that in the writings either. We don't find that they were boasting on being a threat to these Jewish religious leaders. But what we do find in their report is that all that the court had said, they shared that they were questioned. They shared they were threatened. They shared that they were warned. And in sharing this, they were, they were preparing the others that persecution is on the way. For anyone who would preach, anyone who would teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, persecution was going to befall them. Folks, we as born-again believers, we must come to terms with the fact that if we're going to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we're going to be a witness and testify of his goodness in our lives, if we're going to live a life of obedience and service to Jesus Christ, then we will be persecuted for it. We must come to terms with this because we've been commanded to do such things. In Mark's gospel, in Mark 16 and 15, Jesus says, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And if we do this, persecution will come. But you know how they responded? You know how they responded to persecution to, to the response to Peter and John's report was them raising their voice to God with one accord. In other words, instead of panicking, these early believers sought to pray together. They were all of the same mind. There was no arguing. There was no indecisiveness. They were seeking the same thing. They knew what they had been commanded to do. And they were going to do all that they could to fulfill the commandment of God in their lives. It was obvious what they needed was the power of God, a power that only he could provide them. So they acknowledged that God was the one who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And because he has all power, no one would be able to stop him. And folks, we need to understand that God has empowered us. If we are truly born again believers, he has given us his power. 
power. And if he has given us his power and, and we trust him, then no one can stop us, not because of us, but because of the power that he has placed in us. Because he has told us he will never leave us nor forsake us. And if we are with him, then we are with the majority. Here these early believers acknowledged that he was the supreme power. And they begin to pray or they begin to ask in their prayer just as David did in Psalm 2, 1 through 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Why are they doing this? When God has already foretold that it would be done. So why, 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 why? They think that they're getting over on God basically is what the writer is saying. But God through his servant, David, he prophesied that man would oppose God. How would he oppose God? By opposing his anointed. And they opposed his holy servant, Jesus Christ. The Jewish leaders demanded that the Romans crucify him. If they couldn't, even though they couldn't find any fault in him, they still opposed God by nailing his only begotten son, the Messiah of the Jews, the anointed one, the servant of God. They nailed him to an old rugged cross. Oh, but I'm so glad Romans 8 and 28 shares with us that we know all things work together for good to them who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Jesus Christ's purpose on was to come to earth so that he could die for our sins. These men had no idea what they were doing by nailing him to an old rugged cross when they thought that they had done away with this carpenter from Nazareth. When they thought by nailing him to a cross that this would be the end of him. God used their opposition to prove his power over them because while he was on the cross he cried out it is finished in other words what he was saying is that that he I've poured out enough blood now I poured out all my blood then my blood will cover the sins of the world and those who would believe on Jesus and receive him as their Lord and Savior could now be forgiven of their sins. Oh, that's not all. Because on the third day, early that morning, he arose victorious from the grave, giving us the assurance that life doesn't end with the grave, but that eternal life, when our life is over, it continues beyond the grave. If we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior while on this side, we will have life forevermore. Oh, the sovereignty and the power of our God has been on display. Oh, we have an enemy. We have an enemy that has produced and has spread this pandemic. And when mass gatherings around the world were put to a halt, our enemy thought that he had silenced the church. He thought he had silenced the voice that was speaking out and crying out of the word of God. But God wasn't having that. In John, in 1 John 4, 4, it reminds us that greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And the man in this world cannot outperform form has no power to match the God that is within us God's word is still 
going forth. Lost souls are being delivered from chains of bondage. And Satan has not silenced us. Instead, God continues to prove his great power over and over and over again. Listen, church, when we're faced with persecution, the early church didn't run and hide. Instead, they came together on one accord, praying for God's power. And I want to remind us, that's our call today. When persecution comes our way, we're not to run and hide, but we're to come together and we're to call upon the Lord and we're to trust his power. That's what these early believers did. They came together on one accord, but the church also called on God for boldness. To continue his work. If you look there in verses 29 through 31. You begin to see just that. That they called on God for his boldness. These early believers wanted nothing but to obey God. Which meant they were to speak God's word. While praying they didn't ask God to do away with the evil in the world. They didn't ask God to make their path smooth. They didn't ask God to to remove all their obstacles. Instead, they asked for boldness. They, in, in other words, they were saying, let it come, let it come. God, give me the strength. Give me the strength to stand for you in the midst of it coming. Oh, we want to remind you that God, he doesn't promise to remove the fire, but he does promise to get in the fire with us. And we recall this taking place. We recall in ancient Israel, with ancient Israel, when those Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down before the king. When they with boldness stood before him and said, we will not bow before you. We know what you're able to do, but we know our God has power to deliver us. And even if he don't, still, we won't bow down. I, I want to remind us that when they put them boys in that fiery furnace, when the when King Nebuchadnezzar looked through the glass, he asked the question, did we not throw three men in the fire? Now I'm seeing four and that fourth man, that fourth man, he walks around and he looks as if he's the son of God. I want to tell you, God will get in whatever case that we find ourselves in if we're standing for him. Whether it's fire it won't consume us. Whether it's water, it won't overflow us. If we're trusting him and boldly standing for him, he'll be right there with us. These early believers, they wanted the boldness they're crying out for boldness to stand in the face of persecution. Why? Because they wanted to obey their Lord. Why? Why was this so important to them? Because they knew if they would obey God, if they were faithful to his command, no matter what they face, then God would be faithful to his word. And he would prove to the world that his word was true. How? How would he do this? By stretching out his hand to heal. 
by the signs and wonders that he would do through those who faithfully preached and taught in the name of Jesus. Acts 1 and 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I want to tell you, wherever we go, if we'll just trust God, if we'll stand boldly for him, we'll find that he'll do miraculous things. The greatest thing he, I've ever seen him do was change this old boy when I was lost and in my sins when I was dead and on my way to hell he changed my life when I didn't want nothing for myself he wanted so much more for me and he offered it to me oh what a wonderful what a wonderful God we serve and just on Thursday evening one of our church families had a son who come out of darkness into the marvelous light, who come out of a life of sin into a life of being saved, to know that he has his name recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. What a wonderful testimony of our God and his power. Oh, why would we not? When we know what he's done for us, why would we not boldly stand and proclaim his word so that the world would know that his word is true. Here in these first three centuries of the church, the persecution was tremendous and it was brutal. But it was during this time <laughs> that the church experienced its greatest growth. The believers did not run from persecution. Instead, it's almost as if they ran to the persecution. I, I don't know about you, but when I read Paul's writings as he's closing out and he's writing his last letter and he's, he's saying I have, I have run my race. I have finished the course and what's later for me is a crown of righteousness. I don't know what you see. History tells us that he ended up at the chopping block of Nero, but it's almost as if he's running to that chopping block because he had done all he could do for the Lord. He had stood in the face of persecution and there was nothing they could do to change his message and the message was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, they did not allow the persecution to stop them from being the church. These believers were often ridiculed, ostracized, beaten, or even faced death. But in the face of it, they kept being the church. They kept seeking the face of God to stand bold and to continue sharing their faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I can't help but think about how people today all over the world are facing persecution for their faith in Jesus Christ. Radicals around the world who are against the name of Jesus Christ are willing to, to take the life of their own children who've converted from Islam to Christianity and who's confessing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Even here in America where there is an attempt to silence us, more and more are lobbying to do away with the name of Jesus. 
They may allow us to say God in an attempt to be inclusive to everyone, but we have to declare, we have to stand boldly and declare if they call us arrogant, if they call us hypocrites, if they call us naive and, and out of touch, we stand boldly and share that you can't get to the one true God without Jesus Christ. And I pray that every born-again Christian would be granted the boldness to stand in the face of opposition, no matter where it may come from, or no matter what form it may take. Oh, I pray that God gives each one of us the boldness to just stand. And when all we know to do that we've done let's just continue to stand folks there's a purpose for this because when we trust God and boldly and faithfully follow his command he will show up (laughs) he'll show up and he'll provide for us not only power but also the assurance that he is also always with us. Here when these followers, if you look there in verse 31, as we're coming to a quick close. For these followers of Jesus Christ, they had, when they had finished praying, God showed up and he shook the place from which, where they had assembled. I mean, out of nowhere, no cloud, no tornado, nor, no hurricane, no, no earthquake, no volcano erupting, just out of nowhere because they've come on one accord because they were intended on being bold for the Lord. He shook the place. In other words, he showed up. He manifest himself right there in that moment to prove to them that he had control over the whole universe and that he would be with them no matter what they faced. So they could boldly stand and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. First Peter 3 and 15 says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks your reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Oh, no matter what comes our way, we stand and boldly proclaim Jesus. If we continue to trust and obey God through our faith in Jesus Christ, we will find that he will supply all the boldness we need to share the gospel of Jesus. Oh, Reedy Branch family, whenever it feels as though the world is coming against us, let's not be surprised. Let's not be discouraged, but let's come together on one accord and let's call on God together for the boldness to continue his work in this lost and dying world that he has placed us in. And I'm just a believer that wherever we're planted, there we are to bloom. So let's bloom bright for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And for you, you who are lost in sin, you who who don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to ask you, are you ready today to step out in faith are you ready to get on one accord with Jesus by giving your life to him 
and committed faithfully to serve him in obeying his commands. Are you ready? Are you ready to receive the boldness to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ in this world? Oh, if you are, if you are, he's ready to receive you as his own. If you're ready, why don't you pray with me today? Just pray with me. God, I thank you for loving me. And God, until this moment, I haven't been bold enough to admit that I'm lost and I'm in need of a Savior. God, I know your son, Jesus Christ, is the Savior of the world. He died for my sins. And God, I plead that you would forgive me, that you would wash me clean. For God, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I receive him as my Savior because I believe he's your only begotten son. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he died on a cross. I believe he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And I believe he arose on the third day, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And I believe he lives forevermore. And God, I want to live forevermore with him. God, forgive me. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you've now placed inside of me. For God, I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was lame, and now I'm whole. So God, I thank you. And I ask that you would continue to strengthen me and give me the boldness that I need to share with this lost world your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, are you ready to share this? <laughs> are you ready to share with the world now that you have been saved? I would encourage you today, if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just to share with us. Let us know through the comments on Facebook through the comments on our YouTube page, through a text, through a call. We ask that you let us know so we can rejoice and we can celebrate with you. And I pray that you continue to share the good news of your salvation. Because as you do, he will prove time and time again that he is faithful to give you all that you need. Oh, how did these first century believers respond to persecution? They came together on one accord and they prayed for boldness. And I pray that whenever we're faced with persecution, that we will come on one accord with him that we'll get in line with what God wants for our lives
and that we'll seek his boldness to accomplish his will. Oh, I pray that God richly blesses each one of you. Reedy Branch, we, we love you. We miss you. And we want to keep praying that soon, that soon, that God will eradicate this virus and allow us to come back together. And if you are listening and you don't have a church family, oh, we would love for you to choose Reedy Branch as your church family. Try us out. And if it's not what you like, if it's not what you're looking for, Oh, I believe it will be. But if it's not, we'll help you find the church you're looking for. As this choir sings this song of invitation, we pray right now that if anyone else needs to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that while they sing this song, you'll call out to him. For if you call to him, he will answer your prayer. I pray God blesses you.